Hey friends, Ty Evans here. I hope you're doing great. Today I want to do a debrief on our Winnie, Texas clinic. I just got back. Uh, it was probably my best Texas clinic yet. It was just awesome. Um, full clinic, both classes full up. We did foundation mealmanship and we did mealmanship one. Both classes full, full of really cool people. I'm going to talk about some of those people here today. Um, because I had a lot of fun down here in this clinic. So, um, I did miss my family. I flew down by myself. Sky stayed home. And Ellie and Swayze stayed home with her. So, I was on my own, which was which was very different. I'm used to traveling with my family. A lot of you guys and gals that have been to my clinics before, you, you know that uh, we do this as a family. We go all over the world together and and uh, but every now and again something comes up like this where I kind of got to go by myself and with uh, plane tickets and all these things it was it was a little bit uh, more feasible for me to just go down by myself but anyways I missed them but I still had fun and the people there just made me feel right at home it was great so I flew down to flew into Houston and uh, my good buddy Homer Williams who is also him and his wife are also the hosts of this this clinic. Uh, Homer picked me up, and uh, we headed uh, headed to Winnie. And um, the clinic was held at Falconwood Equestrian Center, and uh, beautiful place, beautiful place. I was very grateful for their covered arena. They had a nice big covered arena. I can't remember the size of it, but it was a couple hundred foot long um, and pretty wide. And I'm glad it was covered because we did get rained on the second day quite a lot. And it was nice to be under cover. It was cold on that second day. It uh, it was raining and windy and it was cold, you know. But, hey, I think I was the only one complaining. Everybody else just hung in there, did good, and worked out good. So let's give you a debrief on this clinic. Let's, uh, let's kind of go through... Um, kind of what went on and and uh, I got a few highlights from both classes um, to share with you this week you know last week when I did the debrief on our Florida clinic that was the first time I've done a debrief and so hopefully as I get more of these under my belt then I'll be better at them and I can tell you more and give you more information and and dive in deeper on some of these issues that do surface you know every clinic is different every clinic has its own set of of, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, challenges, trials. <laughs> they have their own sets of highs and lows. Um, you know, everywhere we go, the people are different. But, you know, the mules, the horses that come are, uh, shoot, they're always, they're always similar. What I mean by similar is they're similar in the things that they need help with. I'm there to help those animals and I've learned that the only way that I can really truly help them is by helping their people. Um, so people come with questions, people come with, you, you never know what kind of baggage somebody will show up with. You, you never know and I've learned that there's always more going on in somebody's life than I get to see at the clinic. And so some of the trouble they might be having with their mule, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's a reflection of what's going on in their lives. And, um, you know, Ray Hunt would talk about, you know, the, the horse is a mirror to your soul. And I agree with, with that because 
as I get to know people, as I get to visiting with them and they tell me about some things going on and and then they, you know, ask me questions about their mules, their horses and donkeys and stuff and, and you can see a lot of similarities in the problems they're having um, with their life circumstances. So, you know, the more balanced, the more wholesome your life is, the the more at peace you are in your daily in your daily lives, the the more at peace you're going to be with these animals, and that might sound kind of funny to you, but it's true. You know, if you if you live right, you're going to ride right. I promise. If you're not living right, you, your riding is going to be affected. I just know this. I've known this from experience. You know, when we, when I have my own highs and lows, you know, when things are going good for me, other things are going good for me too. You know, when things are going bad for me with the meals, I got other things going bad for me too. Usually, so try to live right, try to be a good person. And being a good person is the most important part of mulemanship. If you are a good person, you will get along with mules and horses, I promise you. I promise you that. Uh, if you've got things to work on, uh, you know, you'll have things to work on in your mulemanship too. So, anyways, it's interesting how, how things work out. And, um, you know... This this week was full of really good people. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, you know. The foundation class, um, you know, it had its typical, typical, uh, you know, regular things that occur just about every clinic. You know, there's mules that want to push and pull, and mules that want to, um, and horses that want to kind of pull away, and and um, you know, mules and horses that have learned to tune their humans out and they're not with them and so you know we talk about this in every clinic and I hope the participants I hope you guys remember this part I hope you remember it but you got to get these animals thinking you got to get them thinking you got to get them looking for what you want them to look for you got to find that and I'm not interested in just riding a robot. And I'm not interested in just riding a dude mule or a dude horse, you know. Um, I like a thinking animal. I love it when they're thoughtful, they're curious. I love the curiosity. I love the searching. And a lot of these mules kind of lose that. A lot of these horses kind of lose that. And the reason they kind of lose it, you guys, is they don't know what's in it for them. So everything you do with your mule, what's in it for them? Everything you, you, you want them to do for you, what's in it for them? When you ask them to turn, when you ask them to stop, you ask them to go, you ask them to go up that mountain or down that hill or through that water or across whatever, what is in it for that mule? you got to keep that in mind. You know, one mule we had there, uh, his name was Woodrow. And, and Woodrow, I really liked Woodrow, um, this he was just a, a red John Mule. Um, his owner's name was Debbie. I think Woodrow was about 15 years old. But anyways, Debbie and Woodrow were having some, some trouble communicating here. And Woodrow uh, was kind of to the point where he's tuning Debbie out quite a lot. Um, he's there. And you know what? You know what? Woodrow didn't cause much trouble. He was pretty quiet. This is why I want to talk about him because this is the typical. This is what I see the most of. You know, Woodrow didn't have anything bad going on. He wasn't like 
you know, causing trouble. But there wasn't a lot of good going on either. He was kind of just present. He was kind of just there. And he tuned Debbie out quite a lot. And he he's getting to be where, where uh, you know, for lack of better vocabulary, he's pushy. Um, and And when I say pushy, you know, don't think of it as the mule being belligerent because, you know, you guys have learned, and if you've listened to me long enough, you know that they're not capable of being that way. But like I said, for lack of my vocabulary, we'll say pushy. But really, they, the mule just learns that um, that you don't move its feet and that it can move yours, and so why not? And like I said, it's not that it's it's being, being rude, pushing you. It's just saying, you know, you, you can go there, human, and I'll go here. And that's how it kind of goes. Woodrow's kind of like that. He's kind of getting a little bit that way. And so as as I worked with Debbie throughout the week, you know, I was trying to help her learn that, you know, a mule like this, when they get a little tuned out, when it's like, because at one time she she, put, she asked me, she says, does he even know I'm here? Does he even pay attention? I'm like, oh, yeah, he knows you're here. But it might feel like they tune you guys out. It might feel like they're not with you at all. And if I'm describing your mule good. I hope you'll learn something from this and try to make some changes. But when they get to tuning you out, you know, you got to give them a reason to tune you in. It's like we joke, if you want your, if you want your meal to be interested, interested in you, well, be more interesting. So how can you be more interesting? Rewards. And I don't mean treats and I don't mean constant petting, but the rewards can the best reward is usually just peace. And again, like I said earlier, they need to know there's something in it for them. So as you're working, what's what's going to be in it for this meal? Why should it do this thing? So I helped Debbie set this up, and there's a few others that I'd like to mention of the same thing too, and I will. But you have to ask really small questions, and then you give really big rewards. So small question can be like, hey, clear the front. You know, on the ground. Go, go to the right. Clear that front to the right. Okay. And then you stop. And you leave them alone. You moved one foot. Give them a reward. This doesn't have to be forever. And this is the hardest thing for folks to pick up on is when to progress, when to make those changes, when to ask for more. That's, that's a big hang-up for a lot of people. Okay, when do I ask for more? And Debbie asked that. Okay, well, all right. Well, we've been getting one foot. When can we get two feet? When can I do my half circle when can I do full circles the answer to all these questions when when can you move on and you can plug in everything we ever do from the ground to the saddle uh, from the snaffle bit to the bridle okay here's your here's your answer to this when there is no delay then you can move on simple as that when there's no delay no resistance no brace move on so when you can get one foot, when you can pick up that one foot and set it over there without delay, without brace, which if there's no delay, there won't be brace either. So you can just sum it up with delay. When there's no delay, you can move on. Ask for two. When there's no delay in two, ask for three. That's how I build. That's how I work it from the very beginning to the very end is trying to get rid of all the resistance, trying to get rid of all the delay. You know, my four favorite words, soft, centered, accurate, punctual.
plug those four words in to every move you do, everything you do with your mule, your horse. Plug those four words in. Are they soft? Check. Are they centered? Check. Are they accurate? Check. Are they punctual? Check. And then move on. That's it. Simple as that. Keep it simple. Now your standards of each of those words might differ from mine. And that's where, you know, that's why we're individuals. That's okay. You figure that out on your own. So talking to Debbie about this, trying to get Woodrow soft, centered, accurate, punctual. She built one foot at a time, one piece at a time. Oh, the first day that meal was just all over her, leaning on her. You know what? And she was leaning on him too. One of the hardest lessons to teach at the clinics in the foundation class is to be able to, to direct your mule on a loose rein. This is so challenging, and some of you listening might not have a clue what I'm talking about. It's okay. You come to the clinic, and we'll get you lined out. But being able to direct a mule on a loose rein. Listen, I want to be able to do all my groundwork on a loose rein. I don't want to have to pull them. I don't want to have to drag them. That lead rope is a lead rope, not a drag rope. And as soon as Debbie kind of got the hang of this with Woodrow, she made some serious changes. And she's not the only one. There's quite a few in the clinic that were having a hard time, hard time pulling. Another one, of my, a good friend of mine that was there named Bill, him and his wife Karen Fry, they're great people. But Bill had a, a, a young mule coming two-year-old named Sadie. And Sadie, the very first five minutes of the class, Sadie is kind of dragging Bill around. He's dragging her around. And anyway, she kind of got, got away from him. And anyways, he got a hold of her, and, and it was fine. And, and, she, and she didn't get away again. And no other mules got away the whole time. But, but you know, that mule was seeking some relief. And I kind of talked about this same subject last week. When you get a mule that wants to bolt, the mule is looking for that release, looking for that uh, that softness, looking for that reward. And so back to what I was just saying about that leading rein, that slack in the leading rein, you know, you need to offer that to those mules so they have something to look forward to. If you're dragging them around all the time, so think about the last time you led your mule, let's just say from your corrals to your hitching rail to saddle up. Okay, last time you led, think about it. How many times was there tension on that lead rope. Think about it. Almost all of us can find something. Even me. And I'm working on this every day, guys. But we can all find something. If you dig deep, you'll find some tension there. And that's what we're trying to get rid of. That's why we work on these things. We're trying to build that slack rein. And so, you know, over that course of three days, Debbie and Woodrow made some serious progress. And so did Bill. Because they learned not to drag their mules. They learned to offer that softness Offer that leading rein and fill in from there. Don't drag them. So that was a, a great lesson from the groundwork class. Another another guy in the groundwork class, and I really like this fella. He, he did a good job. His name was Brandon, and he had a mule named Joe. And this was a, a, a brand-new mule to him, and, and Brandon is new to mules. And uh, for a fella getting into mules, this mule might, might be a challenge, and we kind of talked to him. You know, I talked to him about that, and we talked together, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of work for his first mule, but this guy, he had a work ethic, and he's going to make some good progress. But the first day, just trying to clear the front and get these center circles, this mule did not want to move. This mule had no idea how to move. Now, this is a mule that would 
follow him just fine. And we talked about this. There's a big difference in being broke to follow and being broke to lead. Big difference. Broke to follow, they'll follow you around until they don't want it, okay? When they're broke to lead, you can send them, bring them, take them anywhere you want on a loose rein. That's what we're trying to get. So I was trying to help Brandon and Joe find this. And, you know, there's only so much I can do in the clinics. You know, I can't. I don't sit there and micromanage you guys. I'm not going to sit there the whole time and hammer on you. I give you little pieces. I give you little tips. And then I leave you alone. And I let you find it. Just like the mule. I treat you guys in the clinics the same as I treat the mules. I give you a little bit. I fix it up. And then I wait. I do the same thing with the mules. I give them a little bit. I fix it up. And I wait. And I let them find it on their own. If you guys can find these things on your own, it'll get you so much further down the road. And so Brandon did a good job of this. I'd come, I'd help him a little bit. I'd give him a couple tips. And I kind of demo with his mule a bit too. I'd show him with Joe and I'd help him get going because this mule is pretty stuck. This mule says, hey, you know what? Just drag me. I'll follow you. But if you try to leave me, send me somewhere. That mule was just completely unfamiliar, totally brand new. So it was a bit of a challenge. And the first day, he, you know, Brandon couldn't hardly get this mule to even move. But by day three... He was getting these circles, he was clearing the front, getting these circles going, rolling the hinds, going through the checklist, backing up the mule, and was doing a really good job. And his mule is another example of ask small questions, give big rewards, because this mule, kind of like Woodrow, Woodrow was kind of shut down and just learned to just learn to tune us out. He just learned to tune humans out. Humans don't really matter a whole lot. They just, you know, things to be tuned out. And and Joe was the same way, but Joe was was more touchy, and he was more nervous. Woodrow was not nervous at all. Woodrow was completely quiet, um, but just totally tuned us out so that you couldn't get much done with him. And Joe was was nervous and didn't know that we asked questions and that he should find answers. So, you know, one of my favorite things in the foundation class and the and the writing classes is to see the mules change from ignoring their humans to looking for what their human wants. And the biggest way you make that change, the biggest way is trying to get these humans aware of their mules. Get them aware. Have them pay attention to their mules and their horses. And also try to, you know, trying to get folks to to ask questions of the animal rather than demanding. You know, a lot of times just changing your attitude from, hey, you know what, you're my mule, I feed you, you're going to work for me, you're going to do what I say. Changing your attitude from that to, hey, you know what, we're on the same team here and I want to teach you, I'm going to help you so we can get along a little bit better. So, anyways, those are a couple highlights from the foundation class, some of the things that come to mind as I reflect back on this. You know, for the mulemanship one, it seemed like the biggest hang-up this week for folks. And, you know, whenever I have hang-ups that are consistent among all the participants, <laughs> you know there's only one variable, and that's me, right, as the communicator. It's the same thing, you know, like when I'm working with all my animals, and all my animals are having the same issue, and I'm the one working with them. You know, it doesn't take long to look in the mirror, right, and realize that you're the issue. So this week, 
the first day I had quite a lot of trouble with the participants and rain position. And rain position is so important, especially in the turns. You know, knowing where to put your leading rein um, in relation to your your body it is so critical in in the turns. And so the first day, a lot of people are having a hard time. So on day two, I came back and I broke it down further and we did more and more rain position exercises and I got them thinking about that. And by day two and three, um, they were looking really good. And I hope they remember that. I hope you guys, when you come to my clinics, you, you remember the rain positions because it makes all the difference. And it's so fun watching people when they, when they, you know, when I were working together and I say, okay, oh, just move your rain just a little there or a little here. And they move that rain and the foot follows. Trying to help people realize that that rain is connected to a foot. Everybody thinks about the rain being attached to the mouth and everybody wants to ride the mouth. We're supposed to be riding the feet. And that's what I teach in my classes. And so once people kind of get that concept that, hey, this rain is attached to a foot down there, that, that helps a ton. That helps a ton. Another thing that came up, and this was on the very last day, last hour of the last day, was, you know, the trot to canter transitions. And this is common, you guys. Um, if you want to know how centered your animal really is, being able to ride on course on loose rein, just go from the trot to the canter and see how much you lose your center in that. So I set it up, and I, I'm having these folks lope or canter one by one. I call them out, and they go ahead and, and ask their meal to, to lope. And um, most of them, most of them in the, in the class, as soon as they got to asking for that speed, that the meal fell apart, meaning they would dodge to the inside typically, um, or they'd start going all over the place. And, you know, I noticed, uh, uh, and I mentioned this, and I hope that the participants remember it, I hope they heard it, but usually when folks get to asking for that lope, they look down and they stop riding forward. And that's when the biggest keys to keeping these animals centered in that lope is to continue to ride forward. And so you go to ask for that lope and you're looking down. And that's why things get so uh, so wonky, as my friend Lisa would say. They get wonky. Um, so you got to look up. you got to keep those eyes up. I know you're trying to look at your meal, watch the meal, but you know, practice seeing the meal with your soft eyes. As Sally Swift teaches, soft eyes are, you can see it all, you can take it all in, and that's such an important lesson. So, you know, as I had these folks go, go into that lope, go into that canter, and things kind of fell apart, I told them, okay, work on the trot, keep them centered at the trot. The better you're centered at the trot, the better they're going to be centered at the lope. So, it's something that, that needed a lot of work there. And I wish, that's when I wish I had one more day at these clinics. You know, it was a three-day clinic. And, and when that kind of stuff comes up on the last day, I think, oh, man, I'd love to stay for a fourth day. Although some of the participants, they're about done. They're, they're finished. A lot of them, they're tired. They're wore out. And, and um, you know, sometimes on the, on the last day, some of the participants don't show up. And I wish they would. But sometimes they don't. I understand but because they're so tired and wore out. Uh, it's a lot, and especially this clinic, there was quite a few double dippers. They're doing both the foundation class and and the riding class, and so it's a lot to take in. And you know, by that last day, folks are tired, 
You know, but back to the transitions, it's something else that just came to my mind that I wanted to mention about these transitions. Is, and, a, and a question came up in the clinic. You know, Ty, I just trail ride. Why do I need to work on these transitions so much? You know, I, I rarely lope my mule out on the trail. I rarely, you know, even trot. And they asked me this. For me, it's important to have my mule comfortable and balanced and in shape at all transitions. I'm not saying that I lope miles and miles or trot miles and miles, but, you know, the mental part of these transitions is so important. You know, when you're out on the trail, and if you if you never practice loping, okay, if you if you never work at it, you never loped, there, there's, you'd be surprised... It's amazing how many people come to my clinics. This is this never ceases to amaze me. A, a vast majority of people that come to my clinics have never asked their mule to lope, not even once. And they're scared to death to do it in the clinics. And so we work through this. I help them, and we work through it. It's not a big deal, but I help them because I want them to, to do that. But, you know, when you're out on the trail, you never know what might come up and and if you're not working on transitions, then I know for a fact, if you're not working on transitions, I know that your mule is not centered. I promise, if you don't work on transitions, there's going to be some holes in that imaginary rectangle that we teach about in the clinics. That mule's not going to be centered. I, I guarantee it. I'd bet all my few pennies that I have on it. So what happens is this. Something spooks the mule. You're going down the trail. Something scares that mule or your horse, they jump sideways and you kind of flop sideways and, and then they maybe want to take off. Maybe it just starts, maybe they just trot off because they're kind of scared, but you're kind of bouncing around because you're unfamiliar with transitions and you're unfamiliar with riding them and you're not in shape to ride them because you're not used to it. You don't ever practice it. Well, then they take off with you. Maybe they're running now. Maybe you're at the lope now. And you're not familiar with riding this because you don't practice it. Now you're flapping on that saddle and bouncing in that seat. And that bouncing in the seat scares your mule even more. It scares you even more. Next thing you know, it's a wreck. And this is just one thing that can be easily avoided with just practice. Practice being familiar with that, those transitions. Walk, trot, lope, up and down, up and down. You know... Getting that mule mentally comfortable doing this is so important. You know, that education part. You know, but the the other part that a lot of people don't think of, it's amazing it's amazing how many of you listening, you're so worried about saddle fit and you're so worried about the bit being correct and your mule, your horse liking the bit and the right saddle pad and you go through all these lengths to get the a, a good cinch and and you do all this other stuff for your animal but you don't get them in physical health. They're not physically in shape. You know, I like to lope my mule, really open them up, if I can, at least once a week. That means a full blast. I'm loping. I, I am running. Just for a little bit. Maybe a lap around the arena. Maybe for, a, you know, maybe for, a, uh, I don't know, a quarter mile down the trail. Just, just open them up and let them really stretch and move. This is so good for them. You know, these animals are made to move. They're made to, to migrate and to graze and, and to browse and to be on their feet, moving constantly all day long. But yet so many of us keep them in, in corrals. I'm talking about myself, too. I've got my mules here. and In the wintertime, it's easier to feed when they're here in the corrals rather than out on the pastures. And 
you know, they get tight. They get cramped up and tight, and they're not in good shape when they're not able to get out and move. And so if you're listening right now, and, and, and I know a lot of you are, you just have your meals in your backyard, and maybe you live on a couple acres or whatever. Maybe they're boarded somewhere. But the physical part of it, so I'm saying you guys worry about so many other things, but you forget to work on their physical health. And that those transitions are a key part of the physical health. If, if all you ever do is walk, you're not building the proper muscles. You know, so so you got to work at this. You got to get them physically healthy. It's so good for them to get out and stretch those muscles and and build those muscles, and it's important. So that's that's just some thoughts on the transitions. Okay. Now, for the whole clinic, I wrote a nice mule that uh, Ben and Christy White brought named Dietz. And I really like Dietz. He's a good boy. Um, you know, he he was just right for me to demo on. And I talked about this in last week's um, clinic debrief. And it's the same thing this week. You know, a lot of people, when I, when, I, uh, when I don't bring my own animals and I show up and I ride somebody else's, a lot of folks think, oh, well, Ty's a good hand. We'll let him, we'll let him uh, work with this horse. But I'm not there to work on an animal i'm there to help the people i'm there to help you all so you know it was nice to have another good mule that that i could kind of work on a little bit and demo with but then i didn't have to babysit him a whole lot while i helped everybody else he he knew that he could stand there and, and he felt pretty comfortable standing there and that was really nice and uh hopefully ben knows notices a few differences when he rides him next i kind of work through some some moves and you know, every now and again, I just kind of tinker around with Dietz, but, you know, it was, he was just the right mule to, to be able to help everybody else out. And, you know, I kind of felt at home. He's a big mule. He's, he's as tall as Riata, my big red mule, as tall as, you know, and, uh, I, I like, I like short mules, <laughs> but it just, my, my favorite mule in the world is my big mule. And, you know, Dietz was kind of fun to ride. I, I like, I kind of like being up on a big mule in the clinics too, because it kind of puts me up a, up above and I can see folks better and I don't know it's amazing what a few inches will do on height to help you out um, and I lack in the height department you know on my feet so it was nice to be on another big mule but Deets was a good boy thank you Ben and Christy for bringing him for me um, good boy and you know I want to mention a couple other people because the people I mean this is why I do this you guys is to help you and and I love meeting amazing people the first person I want to mention here and I want to say thanks to and I hope she listens to this podcast I'm not sure if she subscribes to it or not but her name is Kristen Dominique and uh, Kristen came out and watched a clinic a couple years ago when we were in Mississippi and um, she's from Louisiana and you know I guess she she had just lost her father the first time I met her and then when she came up and said hello here at this clinic she had recently just lost her husband, and um, that's tough. I can't imagine life without my sweet Sky, and um, that's got to be just tough. But you know what? Kristen was was a breath of fresh air at that clinic. She she was so happy the whole time, and you know a lot of you have heard. If you've been to my clinic, I guarantee you've heard me say this. Because I say it every clinic just for fun of it. But I mean it, but it's also a joke. 
but it's true, <laughs> is I say, you know what? It's a, it's a proven fact that if you smile while you ride, your meal will do better. And I always joke about that. But you know what? She, she smiled that entire clinic. She had a nice mule named Maybellina, uh, kind of a spotted Appaloosa-type mule named Maybellina. And you know what? That mule was so nice, and, and Kristen was so nice and just happy the whole time. And it was amazing seeing how, how she rode. She was happy, and you know what, guys? That mule looked happy. What a lesson right there. What a lesson. Uh, you know, what a way to be. So thank you, Kristen. With all the trouble going on in your life and the, the trials that you've been dealt, thank you for choosing to be happy. It's a choice. And thank you for making that choice, and thank you for helping your mule to be a happy mule. So I just want to say thank you, Kristen. You know, I really like work ethic, and you guys have heard me talk about, you know, I love people that are on time, and I love people that work hard. And if you're both, man, I really like you. Well, there were three boys here at this clinic, three young men. I shouldn't call them boys. There were three young men. There was Halen. He was 11 years old. Uh, we had Levi, who was 12 years old, and we had Bentley, 13 years old. I hope I got their ages right. I think, I think I'm right, but maybe not. Anyways, these boys did both classes. They double-dipped in both classes, and they worked hard. You know what? It's invigorating to see the next generation really passionate about mulemanship and horsemanship. It was just so good to see. You know, I got a lot of fears about the future, if I'm being honest. You know, I, I worry, what's, what's it going to be like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now? Am I going to be able to do what I do? Am I going to be able to be out on the road helping people? Is there going to be anybody out there, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now that, that wants my help? You know, am I, uh, what's it going to be like? And, and is there going to be people interested in equine at all? And you know what? These boys bring me a renewed hope. They were so interested, and they all asked such good questions. They were, they were consistently coming up to me, consistent every day. They did it. Every day they come up to me, ask me questions, and they were good, thoughtful questions. Hey, Ty, where's, what, what position am I supposed to be in right here to, to do this? Hey, uh, can you help me call out these feet? Can, I, can you help me feel these feet? You know, and they asked good questions, and they were always seeking advice, and it was just so good to see you know and and these boys i i hope they continue this path and and because the world needs a lot more good hands there needs to be more good hands out there folks practicing good quality mulemanship um with the mule in mind you know um and and these guys are doing a good job and it's it's fun to see that so a shout out to those boys thank you I hope you boys listen to this podcast too. You you might not. Um, maybe your parents will hook you up on this deal. So thank you guys. So that's kind of it for the the folks. You know, <laughs> some other highlights. Just this doesn't have anything to do with mealmanship really. But um, I seen my first cockroach. I'd never seen a cockroach before, but I stayed in the RV there. They were generous. The owner of the facility was generous enough to let me stay in the RV. And anyways. You know, just just an old RV, and uh, but I'm grateful for a place to sleep. Don't get me wrong, but I got up, uh, go to the restroom, and 
turn on the light and tell this giant cockroach. I mean, I don't know if it's giant. I've never seen one. It was big as a mouse. It was big as a mouse in Utah. <laughs> this thing's scurrying around in there trying to get out of the way. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I've never seen one of those that scared the daylights out of me. I'm like, what is that? That's not a mouse. Oh, my gosh, I think that's a cockroach. So that was a highlight. <laughs> it's a cockroach. Um, it was also the first clinic where I'm pretty sure peacocks outnumbered mules. There were so many peacocks at this place. I, I'd never seen so many peacocks in my life. So that was interesting. See, you got, I always get to see cool stuff. This is, this is interesting. Um, Ben and, uh, Christy and, uh, Tim Weathered and a few of us went out to dinner one night and they took me down to the Gulf. That was cool. I got to see the Gulf and a fellow named Doug, Halen's father, he's trying to get me to eat oysters and I, I just could not go for the oysters, you guys. That it just looked like snot in a shell and I just couldn't do it, so. Um, yeah, I didn't go for that. But they did get me to eat crawfish. The, the night before, um, Homer and, and um, Sharon and, and all these fellas, we all went out to dinner on a bayou, which I'd never ate on a bayou. I didn't never heard of a, well, I've heard of a bayou, but I didn't really know what it was. But we went ate on the bayou. And um, they got me to eat crawfish. And that was actually pretty good. It kind of tasted like shrimp, um, which I like shrimp. So that was that was another highlight. And one more highlight was a big mule named Henry. And uh, a fellow named Larry brought this mule. Big old draft mule. He just looked like the fluffiest teddy bear you'd ever seen. I'm talking about the mule. <laughs> and uh, just big old mule. I, I don't think I've seen a, a draft mule that thick. I've seen draft mules taller for sure. Um, he was pretty tall, but I've seen him taller. But I haven't seen a draft mule that thick. As a, his, his legs were, were like trees for sure. So that was another highlight. So, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, and one last thing I want to mention was, and this kind of was interesting, but there was a lot of people that this was their second or third clinic with me. Second and third clinics with me. And a comment I got from, from almost every one of them that were repeats, they said, hey, Ty, you know what? I got more out of this second clinic or this third clinic than I ever have before. And I'm not exactly sure. I can't say exactly why that's the case. And I, it, I think it might be a combination. I, I like to think that I'm getting better at teaching. I'm all, every clinic I try to get better, you guys. I always want to be better. And I hope that um, if you're coming to my clinic this week in, in Arizona, I'll be better than I was last week in Texas. I hope that I can be better. But I don't quite think it's that. What I think it is, is being familiar. You know, when you guys come to the clinic with me for the first time, it's all brand new to you. You've never done it before. You're unfamiliar with the terms I use, the tools we use, the exercises we use. It's all brand new, so you can you kind of just take what you need. I, I've learned that in the first clinic, people just kind of they kind of pick up on what they needed uh, at the moment, at the in the short term. But as people come back to the seconds and thirds and fourths, I got some people that have been to twenty clinics or or more, and you know, you you start to see things with the long game, the long range in mind, and 
and you get more familiar. It's the same thing when you guys work and you practice and you keep trying. You're going to get better and you're going to learn more. And the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. And that's what I found with myself is the more I learn, the more I realize that there is to learn. It's never ending. And I appreciate that. So, all right, that's your Winnie Texas debrief. Um, I'd love to hear your comments on this. So feel free to shoot me an email, ty at tsmules.com. And if it's not too much to ask, I would be so grateful to you guys if you would leave me a review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, click the five-star rating if you think I'm worth it. And leave me a review. Tell me what you think. Give me your thoughts. I would love to hear them. So, hey, and if you're if you're coming up to a clinic, if you're if you're planning to come to a clinic soon, you know one of the best ways for you to prepare is to check out my online video library. Go to tsmeals.com. Go to that video library. Get familiar. Just like I was just saying, the more familiar you are, the better this is going to be. The more you're going to learn at the clinic. So, go ahead. Check out that video library. Get familiar with what we're doing here. And uh, I can't wait to help you. All right? Hey, God bless you all. Hope to see you down the road at a clinic sometime. We'll catch you later.